0: Ah, oh, there's that familiar sound. The band Enigma. Catch them around southeast Nebraska when you can. That's Sky Dancer, the official music on the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show. Good morning, folks. How are you? Uh, Jim Colleen, is it just me and my sort of weird thermostat, or is it warmer in
1: here than normal? I think it was warmer in here <laughs> than than normal. I had to... to uh...
2: Turn the get fan our, Yeah, on. get our supplementary yeah. fan
1: going here on the other
0: side of the room. I wonder if, if somebody thought it was going to be a, a cold wave. So, well, we can't control I the thermostat know. in no. here.
1: So. <laughs> and uh, they had the blinds open over there on the other side, so the sun was shining in too. So that Well, with, that with, with my hot sure. air... With your the high air. Set, it's going to heat the room up pretty it's quick. like we'll be sweating in here in no time.
0: <laughs> hey, Jim, what's the T-shirt that you've got on?
1: This is the, this year's Lincoln Marathon T-shirt. I'm, as you know, I'm a volunteer. I'll be down on the finish line announcing runners. And as, as when, well.
0: is, when is that? It's tomorrow morning. Okay, uh, and that's here in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's here in Lincoln. Start, time is,
1: start time is 7 a.m. If you're going out in the morning, you'll want to check the marathon route map online. Um and adjust your route accordingly.
0: So um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to try to get around. They've got expected times that runners will clear mm-hmm. a certain location, so mm-hmm. you hope then some of the barricades go down so you can cross those, or else it sure, might be circuitous yeah. trying to get from point A to point B. <laughs> can't
1: be, yeah. And our friend Matt Mundorf is running again this year. Yay! Uh, he'll be doing the full marathon, and his wife Patty will be be doing the half. So we wish the best to both of them.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't wish him the
2: best. No, I <laughs> yeah, you do. I actually yeah, do. you
0: do. Yep. So Matt, if you're out there, I hope that you have a lot of fun, and I hope that Nike selects you as being one of the, the test runners for their new shoes they've got out. Oh yeah. So, Colleen, how are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing. Very well. Good. Yeah, it's just been a busy couple of weeks. Um, Been in and out of town, and I've been at work and all these different things. Busy girl. Yeah, I've just been. It's a pretty busy spring. I mean, spring's like the most Mm -hmm. busiest time of year for my family. It is (laughs) for a lot of people, I think.
1: Getting out and. uh... Doing the yard work and, and getting the, the vehicles maintained from mm-hmm. uh, their, their long, long winter and yep all that good stuff. It's, uh, it's a busy time for all of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, let's check in with Charlene and the that. Capital Humane Society and find out what's going on. Since she's conveniently on the phone here. <laughs> with pets for adoption here. Uh, Charlene, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, thank you.
0: What's going on at the Capital Humane Society?
3: We are getting very excited about our Tales and Trails Pet Walk and Festival coming up on May 18th at the Fallbrook Town Center, and you can go online at CapitalHumaneSociety.org to register, to start fundraising, or to attend the event. Um, it's a really fun day and an important fundraiser.
0: Excellent. CapitalHumaneSociety.org, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys and gals can follow along because we're going to talk about some... First off, some cats for adoption here. And uh, as Charlene said, there's other information about the Tales and Trails, um, the Don and Millie's fundraiser, et cetera. So CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Follow along at home, won't you?
1: I I have to say they've got a really cool website with a neat-looking logo. That's just, it's awesome. (laughs) Okay, so who do
0: we start with first here, Charlene?
3: We are going to start with Callie. She is so pretty. You can see she is a calico, about two years old, looking to be a cherished companion. So if you love calicos, oh, wow. you want to ask about Callie.
0: Yeah, she, uh, I I don't think that term modeled is a M-O-T-T-L-A-D. That's not a, a really high-definition term, but she has that coat that it's sort of... Um,
1: it's she random. <laughs> she looks like a, a bowl of that multi-flavored ice cream that
3: has <laughs> was, uh, you know, um,
1: five different things mixed in.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say like something like Neapolitan kind mm-hmm. of deal. I'm, I'm trying to think of it.
1: Look like at those but. long curved
2: whiskers yeah, too. Those whiskers awesome? are so cute.
0: I've been, I've been trying to grow my beard and mustache out, and so I'm admiring Kelly's sort of facial hair there. I think that's pretty cool. I do, too. Hey, Kelly. Who's up next? Who's your buddy, huh?
3: Next up is Lydia, and Lydia is a sweetheart. She's about a year old, a spade female, domestic medium hair, a tabby cat, uh, looking to be uh, in an awesome home with an awesome family who treats her like a princess.
0: And Lydia looks like she's just woken up from a nap. You woke, you woke me up for this.
3: <laughs>
0: really? Calm, cool, collected. Right. And if the photographer's got any sort of a toy, she's sort of saying, hmm, I don't know, the nap is probably yeah. the one I'm going to pick here. Priority. Yeah, priorities. <laughs> Calm, cool, and collected, that would be Lydia. And who's up next? Next
3: up is Tom. And Tom is a very handsome cat. He has such a pretty picture there. He has medium length fur, about a year old, uh, ready to find a family that will treat him with kindness. And we do have great tips on our website at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. It talks all about uh, proper cat care and what to do if they do start, like, scratching on your couch, how to discourage Mm -hmm. that. Uh, So those are great little handouts that you can print off. So this (laughs) is
0: a Tom cat. (laughs) Yes. What's, uh, what, Charlene, the name of the cat again? Tom. Tom. What's the name of the cat?
3: <laughs> Tom. Tom.
0: There's an echo in here, I think. <laughs> hey, get, get your Tom on. Uh, take a look at Tom, capital, And uh, we've got Callie, Lydia, and Tom. And uh, if, if these pictures pique your interest, here's Charlene with ours open today. You can go out there and see these cats.
3: And we will be open today and tomorrow at our PyLock Pet Adoption Center from 11
0: to 530. Tom! Yeah, there is an echo in here. We just can't take you anywhere, can we? (laughs) Give give me coffee. Give me coffee. Okay, dogs and cats um, for adoption. We're going to go to dogs right now. And again, we're at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. We're looking at the Dogs for Adoption page.
3: And Diggs will be our first dog. He cool. is a very handsome Siberian husky, seven years old, really does like to be next to you, be part of the family. He has that husky howl, so he does have an opinion. He also has those beautiful husky blue eyes. Oh, yes. So if you are a husky fan, you'll definitely want to ask about Get Diggs. Those
1: blue eyes and those ears sticking straight up. Uh-huh. Did somebody say Walk.
3: <laughs> Who
0: wants to go for a walk? Walkies. Hey, okay, so we've got some great, uh, some great dogs. We've got Diggs, and his picture is CapitalHumaneSociety.org. Diggs is joined by? Oh,
3: Oden. And Odin Odin is a very handsome German Shepherd mix, about a year old. He has huge ears. Mm -hmm. He's beautiful with his brindle-colored coat. Um, He is very rambunctious. So he needs somebody who is dog-savvy, who has time to provide him with some training, who's very energetic themselves. Um, He may make a great running partner and, again, is just a lot of fun if you uh, like energetic companionship.
1: It's, uh, Odin is in the Norse god. Yeah, with okay. those ears. Look at the size yeah, of those ears. I'm trying to figure out what kind of mix that is. Looks like maybe some kind of terrier. or Odin's going to hear know. anything going on.
0: Yeah,
4: <laughs> you know the
0: rustle of that that uh, dog treat bag. Bingo, he's going to be right there. Uh, you know the the I, uh, leader, the 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 leash. You know a
1: can opener bingo. at five hundred yards.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, just as soon as you start uh, stirring, Odin's going to be Oh yeah. Is it time? Is it time? <laughs> cool looking dog. And these are these thumbnail pictures you can click on those and read more detail about the uh, the dogs here. So we've got Diggs, Odin, and:
3: Knuckles. <laughs> and Knuckles has to wear one of those Elizabethan collars, but he's been very tolerant. Oh, uh, yeah, he It'll come off happy. in a few days, <laughs> yes. He's a four-year-old pug-beagle mix, a uh, very friendly little guy, uh, very cute, obviously, uh, looking for a home where you will be able to provide him with plenty of exercise and attention. Um, he would like to meet you soon if you are considering adoption.
0: Okay, and is it required that if you meet Knuckles that you also have to wear one of those Elizabethan collars?
3: <laughs> it might, yeah, it might lift his spirits a
0: little. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's one of my kin right there. <laughs> yeah, there <you> know. <laughs> okay, Knuckles, or some might say Knuckles.
3: <laughs> Diggs,
0: Odin, and Knuckles. Three cool dogs. Here's Charlene with hours open.
3: Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30.
0: Okay, we've got uh, the Tails and Taps situation at the White Elm Brewing Company. Uh, We've got a kitten shower. There's all sorts of stuff you're going to find at the website, so go there and take a look. And thanks so much for listening to Pet Talk. And, Charlene, have a great rest of the weekend. Oh, by the way. By the way. uh, Have you looked at the official list? Is Charlene in the marathon? Is she running? I haven't
1: looked. Charlene, are you running?
3: I am not, but I am cheering those on that are going to be there. Yeah,
1: folks, if you're anywhere along the route, get out and cheer the runners on. It's
3: it's a lot of fun.
1: Okay, Charlene, thanks for
0: all that you do.
3: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: Bye-bye. Is it time for... (laughs) I think it's time. <laughs> is it time for my
1: customary story about what I did on one marathon? Oh, yeah, no. go go <laughs> This is a great story. I love this. I, I would do something like this.
0: Okay, so uh, I used to live in the Near South neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a notice many years ago that the marathon was going to go right in front of my house. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they were predicting hot and humid weather, and they said would you provide a hose at, at the parking, at the curb, in case runners want to have either a drink or just get lightly misted or sprayed down? And I said, sure, you bet, I can do this. So this is my alter ego. This is the Scott Colborne of the earlier Yeah, era. this is bad Scott. Okay, this is bad Scott. <laughs> Your evil twin. Yep, so <laughs> I did kind of a Hunter S. Thompson takeoff. So, so those that know about the author understand where I'm going. If you don't, then you'll have to read up on Hunter S. Thompson. So I went out there um, bright and early, you know, a little after 6, a little before 7, and I set my lawn chair up, and I had um, the hose at the ready. I had, um, at that time I was smoking, so I had a pack of cigarettes. I had a, a bottle of Jack Daniels, and, and I sat out there, and I greeted the runners as they came by, lifting the bottle high, and some of them gave me the high five, and some of them gave me that, man, I'm going to come back and trash your house. <laughs> this is just terrible.
1: And some of them crossed to the other side of the street.
0: <laughs> yeah. Some, some wanted to be misted. Some wanted to be sprayed. Some just, you know, I think they saw me, and they ran faster. You know, uh-huh. this get out of this guy's range here.
1: But that's, you know, that's what you do. Lots of people get out there in in costumes and funny signs and funny hats and everything. And, you know, just anything to cheer the runners up and and cheer them on.
0: The the twist was that they changed the route next year. (laughs) I'd probably not related, Scott. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) Probably not. Everything went fine except for that guy down there. So lots of fun. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay, Um, moving on.
0: Marathon is tomorrow. We're going to take care of that. And um, one of our favorite people is on the line here. Preston Dennett is from California, and basically worldwide because he he travels, he collects stories. And Preston, I understand that you just did a vacation.
5: I did. Very how was
0: how was that? I, what what did you do?
5: It was amazing. I took an entire week off of work and went to Hollywood. Actually, stayed no in a hotel. Yeah, not too far from where I live, but in a nice fancy hotel and did a writer's workshop for that contest that I won last year Writers of the Future. So I got to meet all kinds of famous authors and got to hang out with the other fellow winners and do this amazing workshop and all these wonderful writing exercises. It was fantastic, actually. I'm still reeling from it. Oh, I Got my trophy. I got, got a big trophy, did a speech, and uh, just had an awesome time.
0: If anybody is deserving, it would be you, Preston, because I've always said that your books are so uh, accessible, they're so readable, uh, and I really appreciate the witness narratives that you put in there, too, where you let the witness talk in their own words. Um, I think you're a great writer. I'm so happy for you. What a great trip.
5: Hey, yeah, I appreciate it. It was really a highlight. I was looking forward to it for a very long time and uh yeah, it finally happened. So, I couldn't be happier.
0: So, when in Hollywood do as Hollywood. Were there some interesting anecdotes or uh people that you saw in the hallways or um Yeah, you know,
5: I've been to the Hollywood Walk of Fame before, but it was years and years ago when I was a kid, and I had forgotten how crazy it is there. Oh my god, I mean, there is every kind of person you can imagine on this planet. Um, Chewbacca was there, Superman. <laughs> um, all Superman of- was there? <laughs> yeah. Whoa!
0: He didn't tell me he was going to show up there?
5: <laughs> Heck! <laughs> that was insane. All these street vendors from everywhere, every kind of food you could ever imagine. Mm. Um, all the Walk of Fame stars, and photographers, and tourists, and. Oh my gosh, all kinds of people. It was really amazing. We had to go out there and interview strangers to help get story ideas. So, yeah, it was all kinds of fun.
0: Cool. So I I bet that this workshop that you attended, this whole experience, has probably got a number of, of subtexts or paragraphs going on in your head right now. Wow. I bet there's going to be all sorts of productivity from you. Oh yeah, I got some really cool stories. One
5: guy saw this amazing ghost, um, and uh, I have to interview him. He just told me briefly, because he didn't realize he was seeing this ghost. It was a little girl. He's like, Ooh. who's that little girl back there? And I turned, and the girl was gone, like, you saw the ghost. You know, and it turns out she's a famous ghost. Wow. And so I was collecting ghost stories and things like that from the other writers. It was just so much fun to really hang out with these guys.
0: You know, I bet... A writer hanging out with these writers, when they hear about your your uh, unique interests that may have been unique among that whole group of people, I bet you got some great contacts and some great stories. Hey, so tell us. Uh, I I know that you've been on vacay, as they say, but tell us what's crossed your desk in the last thirty days. Some other cool stories, or <laughs> what it is you've been kind of picking up on.
5: Um, uh- I did get a really interesting story from a lady in Denmark, of all places. Mm-hmm. I love you know, hearing from people overseas, just because it's just so interesting to hear that these stories are coming from all over the world. And she contacted me because of my research into UFO healings and wanted to know if uh, I had her- heard of healings of uh, psychological conditions, not just physical. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I have heard of a couple of people who've Cured of suicidal depression, and she became very excited because apparently that's what she was having a problem with was depression, and was just not feeling well and couldn't. You know, counseling wasn't helping. And one day, this was not too long ago, last year, I believe, she was in her kitchen. The kitchen window was open. This was during the morning, and she's just sitting there with her cup of coffee, and in flies this golden orb about the size of an orange, she said. And she's looking at it, and it comes and it kind of floats around the kitchen and comes towards her, and then instantly darts towards her and into her chest. And really stuns her, surprises her. And she just got this incredible feeling of overwhelming peace and love and joy. And it just enveloped her, filled her whole body, filled up the whole room, and almost like this spiritual experience and she says it didn't go away this feeling just persisted like that for about three months and uh, just completely lifted her up out of her depression and she never fell back into it she you know the feeling did kind of fade after a while but never completely she's still kind of riding high on this golden orb that entered into her she's like do you think that could be et i'm like well gosh you know i think it could be, but you know, it could be spiritual or a- angelic or I don't know, I haven't heard a story quite like that, but man, oh man, it was an amazing story.
0: Did she uh, by chance talk about any other um, perhaps childhood experiences um, in, in addition to this really uplifting experience? Uh, no, she said she's always been a kind of a spiritual person, and uh, very into that sort of
5: unexplained things or believed mm-hmm. in it, but you know didn't have any UFO experiences, which is what I asked her, and uh, you know no, not really. <laughs> um, but she's always kind of been into the whole there are things out there that we don't understand sort of thing.
0: Colleen and Jim, Preston's talking about UFO reports from outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. These wacky lights are being seen by people in other parts of the world. You mean not everything important happens in the United States? <laughs> it is It is definitely a worldwide phenomenon, isn't it?
5: Yeah, you know, I thought it was just California for a while there when I first started <laughs> <laughs> oh My gosh.
1: I, I, I could see that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I'm like, uh, hmm must be something unique to Southern California that we're having so many experiences. I and mean, I knew it was worldwide, but not to the extent that it is. I've talked to people from, gosh, let's see, Ukraine, Belgium, England, Canada, uh, Mexico. Uh, gosh, all over the world. It's amazing. Australia, for sure. Got a lot of reports from Australia.
0: Speaking from, um, of our friends, we've got folks listening to us here, Preston uh, from Germany and also a listener from Ecuador.
5: Oh, wow. Yeah. I just love how the world is becoming so connected these days (laughs) through shows like yours and just the internet and everything that's going on right now. The information age, really amazing. I think it's a great sign for humanity that will bring us all together and show us that we truly are all connected.
0: So I, I can't speak German, um, and I can't speak uh, the language of Ecuador, but there's that old fallback that if you're trying to converse with a person that speaks a different dialect and they don't understand you, just talk louder.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Seems to work for me. Yeah, with the contest, there was like four winners from China,
1: Ooh. a couple couple from England, um, one guy from Canada, another guy, gosh, I think he was from Austria.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got to talk with those guys. It's really, really fun to you know, hear these stories from other places. Uh, this is Preston Dennett. Uh, Preston, tell us another story here.
5: Um, gosh, I'm about to interview another lady tomorrow. Um, she hasn't really told me any details, but apparently she's had a lifetime of experiences, and it's just really looking for someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had more details about what she's experienced, but I understand it's really quite extensive, where she's been taken on board and had all kinds of face-to-face encounters and seems to be mostly positive. Mm-hmm. So that I'm also excited about, because I do know some people have negative experiences, and uh, that can be very difficult. But a lot of people have very positive experiences. And I'm thinking, you know I came into this field kind of horrified about these abductions and now 30 years later I realize it's not nearly what I thought it was. This is not a negative phenomena. It's not out to hurt people. Uh, Actually I think it's the opposite. They're really intent on sort of enlightening people, the ETs. I think that's really their main agenda, sort of waking people up and it's very difficult for some people to face this and can be very traumatic. Uh, so it takes, you know, some real getting used to, I think. And uh, people have a long pathway trying to find someone to talk to at times because not everyone
0: is accepting of this, even today. Preston... I know she's really excited to speak with me. And, and when you do interviews like this upcoming interview with this woman, uh, and, and you can't do it face-to-face, you do it by telephone, do you do by Skype, do you exchange email, all of the above...
5: Yeah, all it, usually it starts with the email and uh, definitely phone. I always encourage Skype if they can because, boy, that's just like being right there with a person. I'm like, gosh, are you sure you're in, you know, England? Because it sounds like you're right next door. But yeah, it's great Skype. I love so much because you can you know see their face and really read their expression, and it just makes it a lot easier to sort of understand what they're saying because a lot of people use their hands when they talk and their facial expressions. and That's a big part of communication, especially if trying to determine, you know, if someone is telling the truth, it's a lot easier if you can use Skype. So uh, that's what I usually do, uh, though not everyone has it. But, uh, oh, and I also got another interesting piece of news I got invited to do, Contact in the Desert, coming up uh, at the end of this month. So I'll be cool. going there, doing a presentation and. Contact in the Desert, which
0: I haven't done yet. People have been asking me about it. Super excited about that. Congratulations. Is it on your, your latest book? Yep. yep. They actually wanted me to do a double presentation,
5: so I'm going to be doing one on UFO healings and another on underwater UFO activity.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. It's, uh, it's good to have you touch base with us, Preston. The listeners out here that have been hearing us talk about you collecting stories and, and being a willing and able ear to, to have people tell their stories too, uh, tell folks how they can reach you.
5: Yeah, you can actually reach me through my website. If you just Google my name, Preston Dennett, it should take you right there. The actual address is prestondennett.weebly.com. And uh, yeah, I always love hearing from people, even if they just got a question or a comment or a story to share is especially fun. But, yeah, it's really delightful to hear from people who are interested in this subject. Because, you know, I can talk about it for hours.
0: And the the title of your latest book that, incidentally, folks, runs over 500 pages.
5: Yeah, it's called The Healing Power of UFOs. And mm-hmm. I'm continuing to have a great reaction from it. It's doing pretty well. And a lot of people are contacting me with their stories. And, man, oh, man, there are a lot of people out there who have had that experience. I can tell you that.
0: Preston, you're one of our favorites. It's always such a delight to talk to you. Uh, Congratulations on your, uh, as they say, your major award from a Christmas story. Um, Fragile, no. You got to go to a cool workshop, and I hope that's a seedbed for lots of ideas. Um, Thank you so much for being part of the team.
5: Hey, it's always a pleasure, Scott. Thanks, guys.
0: Okay, and next month, then, we get we talk to you about your experience at the uh, the conference uh, Contact in the Desert.
5: Yeah, for sure. I know I'll have a lot of new stories, too.
0: Cool. Okay, <laughs> Preston, from us to you, all the best, sir. Hey, thank you. Preston Dennett, again, I don't know how he does it, but if you just type in his name, bingo, his website pops up. Now, I type in my name, and I get stuff like, uh, he's a jerk. I get stuff like that. You type in <laughs> Preston Dennett, bingo. It's just right there. It's, it's easy. The, so. it's, it's the aliens. They're doing it. Um. And my continued success, Preston. That is you wonderful. Bet. You bet. Okay, let's get our main guest on, and mm-hmm. we'll do the bottom of the hour break. We'll come back with this gentleman, Lee Harris. He's a first time guest. He's got a brand new book out called Energy Speaks Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. I'm Scott Colborne. Stay tuned for more exploring unexplained phenomena. Mm.
6: Be caught, your battles lost. But our hands even fought. You try to keep your head, you know. You try to be cool. But her wicked little smile lets you know she's not fooled. You're walking straight into disaster. She's gonna eat you alive. Fair chance you'll survive.
1: Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska. KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD.
0: This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
2: And the Bourbon Theater presenting punk rock band Descendants. Plus Joyce Manor and Nightbirds. Thursday, October 10th at 8 p.m. Tickets on sale now at bourbontheater.com.
7: The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit Read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore New Worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical
4: journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra right here on KZUM.
0: Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And Jim, my producer, tells me that my noise gate on our audio processor is tending to drop my voice off. So I will... Scott,
1: you're just not loud enough.
0: (laughs) I I won't eat the microphone, but I'm going to get a lot closer. And so hopefully we'll get...
1: You'll probably never hear that from anyone ever again. We'll get... Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be fine here. Sure.
0: Um, I had the pleasure this week of reading um, a brand new book, And this, if you will, is a book that, although it's brand new, it's actually a book that's been in Genesis for quite a while. And it's been circulated uh, among various people. And so it's finally out in print so that more people can take advantage of this. This is Lee Harris. And Lee's a first-time guest on the show. The book is Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living loving, and awakening. This just came out in March. Uh, Mr. Harris is a acclaimed speaker. He's a teacher, intuitive medium, musician, and visual artist. In 2004, he began holding channeling sessions and readings in his home, and his work today reaches hundreds of thousands of people every month. A native of England, he's now based in California, and let's welcome to the broadcast, Lee Harris. Hi, Lee.
8: Hi, hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, in California, tell us about your morning. What's it like weather-wise? What's going on there?
8: You know, it's kind of overcast here, um, and I live I live in Malibu, so it. It's kind of nice when you get the overcast, because we tend to have good weather. So um, coming from England, living here is a bit of a treat for me.
0: (laughs) So the overcast reminds you of home, huh?
8: Oh, yeah, it does. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what it would be like if I was at home right now.
0: (laughs) So whenever I've had the good fortune and pleasure of having somebody from uh, England on, I I have to ask you, I am a fan of Marmite. Are you also,
8: Oh. Oh, it's great, yeah. And, I, and I, hear, I hear it's a real love-hate thing for people, isn't it, Marmite?
0: And their, their website really, really uh, uses that vehicle and promotes that <laughs> love-hate reaction. But uh, my daughter yeah. and I, m- many years ago, um, she's now a grown woman, but, but we developed a taste for this. I had a friend from England, uh, Robin Lindsay, who is now deceased. God bless you, Rob, Robin. And uh, he introduced me to Marmite, so my daughter likes it. My son, eh, not so much, but uh,
8: so. I used to love having it on toast. So um, Marmite with a little bit of butter and some toast, and that was, that was something I used, to, I used to eat when I was younger. Yes,
0: yeah, so and my daughter loves the, just as you say, the Marmite, a little bit of butter, and then a few pieces of cheese on top, and then melt that in. We grew up calling that cheese oh, toast. That's and that's a
8: good idea. That's
0: kind of her preference. <laughs> she loves that.
5: That's a good idea.
0: Lee, I'm, I'm often intrigued by people that are doing work that, upon reflection, they can go back to an instance in their childhood, or perhaps it gave them a glimpse of what they might do, what their life work might become, maybe what they would be as an adult version of themselves. Did you have a childhood experience that perhaps illumined or gave you a hint of of who you might become?
8: You know, there, there are a few and it's funny, isn't it? Because I think at the time we have no idea, but it is only when you look back that you can piece together why we end up Doing or becoming, uh, becoming who we are in in our adult life. Um, there are two things that come to mind when you ask me that. The first one is I remember as a child. I think I was about five years old. Um, the teacher, if she would take a break or she needed to go to the bathroom or anything like that, she would often make me read to the class. So she would put me at the front of the room, and um, I think I was. I was apparently good at reading early, so she would have me do that. Um, so, in a way, I've, I've I've wondered about that. I never thought anything of it at the time, but now I'm like, oh, that's interesting that I'm often, you know, at the mm-hmm. front. Uh, you know, a lot of my work involves being a teacher. Um, and then the other one is is a recurring dream I had when I was little. I used to be asleep and and in this dream think that i was waking up and i would walk downstairs to the living room of our house and there would be a man and a woman in the two opposite corners of the room they were very tall and they it's not that i particularly remember them looking completely human um but they also didn't seem so alien or foreign that Mm i thought anything of it i remember the woman had a very big blonde afro it wasn't necessarily an afro but that's how my my eyes were translating it mm-hmm. and they were both trying to speak to me they had their hands either side of the, their mouth and all I could hear was static you know like television static you know mm-hmm. back, back in the day when television used to have the, the time when it stopped at night and you just have the static all I could hear was that but they were both trying to tell me something and it's the only recurring dream I've ever had in my life mm-hmm. and um, when I was an adult I spoke to the Z's my guides and I, I was like was that you? And they were like, "Hmm, that was a form of us uh, trying to get your attention." But I didn't actually hear my guides until um, until I was twenty three. Um, was was when contact was made.
0: Uh, this is Lee Harris, and Lee, am, am I correct that this book had circulated in a in a uh, partial sense earlier, uh, and then this is the actual printing of. the the major work Energy Speaks. Is that true?
8: Yes, so I've been doing my work um, since 2004, and Mm -hmm. I've been putting work out into onto the internet since 2006. So in 2012 and 2014, I published two, I self-published two volumes, uh, Energy Speaks and Energy Speaks Volume 2. We've since taken those out of print. Each of them contained a few chapters that are in this book Um, But this book actually has about eight brand new chapters in it, and we re-edited the whole thing, and this one was placed with the wonderful New World Library, um, who are a fantastic publisher. So, um, and it was actually people talking to me about those self-published books and insisting how helpful they were to them that that gave me the idea when I was about to write another book (laughs) that we should maybe um, really create an ultimate edition of the channeled work and really... Mm -hmm give it some love and attention. So it was about three years ago we started work on this.
0: I agree with your assessment of your publisher. I think New World Library does a great job. And it's a uh, it's a gorgeous book. Um, it's got a very soft, loving cover. Uh, if this were on a bookshelf, this would invite me to pick the book up just to feel it and see what's uh, uh, inside the cover. So I think they've done a great job at presenting your information. Uh,
8: you talked they, really, they really do and I must just credit Tracy Cunningham for the cover she's their designer and I loved the cover as soon as she presented it to me mm-hmm
0: uh, there's there are so many questions that I've got for you Lee and I, I appreciate you uh, taking time here to be with us the uh, the intelligence that you referred to that contacted you can we go into that a bit more about how that took place and Maybe who, who, what, or where this intelligence is?
8: Yes. So um, I was 23 and I was on a train. I was going to my job in London. So I was on what we call the Tube, which is an underground subway train. And I was just kind of minding my own business, you know, as you go through your thoughts. And and I had many, (laughs) you can imagine, I'm 23, I had a lot of thoughts and a lot of angst-ridden thoughts and problems that I was trying to figure out. And um, I remember very clearly, just suddenly from the left, this other voice that I'd never heard, and it felt like it was coming from above my head to the left, about 10 inches away from my head in physical terms. Said to to one of the thoughts I was having. That's a nice idea, but you're wrong. And I mean, this you know, this just didn't happen. I mean, thoughts were much more personal, much more close to my head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I didn't quite know what was going on at first. Um, and I, I asked, am I you know, after a few back and forth conversations with this voice, I asked, am I is this schizophrenia, or am I? <laughs> You know, which is a funny thing, because I guess that voice wouldn't say yes. But (laughs) What what I did was, (laughs) over a few months, I asked lots of questions. And I asked questions about my personal life, people in my personal life. And I asked questions about the world at large. And I was mind blown constantly by the answers and the clarity. Um, And they would never stroke my ego. You know, they would clearly tell me when I was off base about something but I never felt judged or shamed, and they would explain why um, why I was off base about something. And, and through their explanation, I would have an opening. So if I was thinking some friend of mine had a problem, they would say, no, no, this is your problem, and here's why. And as soon as they explained why, my whole body would relax, and, and I would have this new understanding. So I asked them questions about them early on, and they said, We're not one guide, we're a group, and we're a collective of 88. So they say we are 88 energies who are linked together. Some have been incarnate in the human body before and have had lives on Earth. Others have never had lives on Earth. There are a few from the angelic realm, but there are many who are universal in nature. So they refer to themselves as a a voice of galactic source energy. Um, I asked them, I said, are you, are you alien? Is, it, is this extraterrestrial? And they said, not exactly, because humans have a very skewed perspective of what is alien and what isn't. Um, but they did say we're travelers, so we do not belong to any one particular star system. We also can not only identify as extraterrestrial. And they say that as as our human history goes on, we will come to redefine that word. Um, alien and extraterrestrial because they say that we're all part of the universe together. It's just that there has been a veil over the earth as to how much we understand that and that we're now in a time in history where everything is beginning to come together again universally.
0: What what has the intelligence, and may, may I, uh, Lee, refer to them as um, uh, either singular or plural Z or Zs,
8: um, yes, they, we, they've they been dubbed the Zs by the people who follow my work because three of the spokespeople were each given name. Well, they gave names that began with Z. So it was Zachary, mm-hmm. Zafariah, and Ziadora. And over the years, because I would do channels from each of those members, uh, people started to collectively refer to them as the Zs. And mm-hmm. so they no longer differentiate. It's, it's just um, one voice, and they... That, that is what they now call disease.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what have they said um, about um, God, uh, creator, the energy, uh, the breath behind the breath? What have they said about God?
8: They actually say that um, our experience of God is limited, um, meaning basically that... The way that we, how do I put it? They say the way that we have been fed God is deceptive. They say that all of us are in the heart of God and the creator and what they refer to as source energy, universal source energy, and that we're all deeply connected to it. But they say that it served certain individuals on the planet to separate us from God and to control God for us and to give us rule around God so that we felt separate from God and and they say that that's been one of the one of the crimes against humanity has been a a small number of human beings have co-opted religion and spirituality for the purpose of control rather than the truth of our religion our faith our spirituality which is we are all one and we are all connected to each other and we are all connected to
0: God and all that is yeah, I'm reminded um, With with my continuing interest My long interest in the uh, UFO mystery I'm reminded of the Vatican Chief astronomer And I believe it was 2006 That the gentleman uh, in the Vatican Newspaper uh, Had an article Talking about Catholicism And uh, that it's okay To be interested into UFOs, extraterrestrials. And the title of this uh, was striking. It was, The Alien is My Brother. And my own evolution, Lee, has been from the nuts and bolts and the hardware and the wondering about which photograph or which bright light is real and which is photoshopped or man-made to the larger questions about When I look at the night sky and I realize that that this multiverse could be teeming with life, if it's connected to a creator energy, that really does mean that we are all brothers and sisters, doesn't it?
8: It it does, and it's interesting. It's so funny because I I didn't quite understand why I became consumed with the X-Files. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I was I was a teenager when that came out, mm-hmm. um, and then I was obsessed with reading *Communion* by Whitley Strieber, and mm-hmm. I didn't quite make the connections, but I I just knew something was was there and was real and was beyond science fiction. Um, but but it's interesting. Just you you mentioned the creator. The one message that the Z's give us over and over again is that the reason we are so interested in the creator, is because we are all souls, you know, a piece of art, a piece of writing, a, a lovely meal. Mm-hmm. But more than that, they say that we are influencing destiny and creating as we go. And that the only risk that we face when we give our power away to spirituality or religion or God and don't recognize we are one within it is that we tend to um, forget the power of our influence and the power of our choices and what we can do every day to move the needle forward for our lives, for the lives of everyone here. So they're really very strong on reminding us how we are creators. And that's why in the book, really, um, we chose the key 14 areas that they've really spoken on that underpin our life energetically And how we can harmonize each of those areas to the best of our ability. And I mean, it it certainly has changed my life and my perspective. I mean, of course, I still go to the grocery store and figure out taxes and pay my rent. I mean, none of that changes. But your perspective and your way of working with life does change. And for me, that has been a very powerful shift.
0: Uh, Lee, when we come back from our top of the hour break, let's talk more about some of these areas that the Z's have commented on and how people listening can, can uh, benefit by understanding uh, this information, uh, perhaps as an intro to um, uh, your book. But I've got to ask you, I'm a, a lifelong guitar player, and I teach guitar, and I saw that you were a, mu- a mu- musician. What, uh, what is your instrument of preference
8: well, my instrument of preference is actually probably my voice. Um, so I okay. sing. I'm a singer-songwriter. Um, I was going to I was going to comment that
0: you've got a great voice, uh, great diction. So oh, I wondered you. if that was going to translate into a vocal ability. Hmm.
8: Thank you. Yeah. No. Um, honestly, my if I could, if if I if I had more time in my life, I would devote myself to piano because I love piano. But um, I use piano and guitar to write. Um, write songs, and then I work with other musicians, specifically one musician that I've worked with for many years, Davor Bozik, who's who's wonderful, and we create a lot of healing music to wrap around the channels. So a lot of my channeled recordings will sometimes feature a song that we have written specifically for that channeled message.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, how can folks listening, and we'll do this a number of times, how, how can they find out more about your work? What, what's a good website or a good link?
8: Yes, so you'll find everything at my website, which is um, leeharrisenergy.com. So that's L-E-E-H-A-R-R-I-S, and then the word energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, dot com. And you can find everything I do there, including my free monthly videos, and I think if you sign up for the newsletter you get an abundance audio meditation uh, gift for free.
0: Uh, Lee, when we come back from our top of the hour break, uh, let's talk about uh, relationships and uh, I'll have you comment about uh, Bill Murray and the Razor's Edge where he's... uh, seeking enlightenment, and he's sitting at the top of a mountain in a hut, a bitter snowstorm outside, and he's taking pages out of a, a book and burning those to try to stay warm and stay alive. And he's been living a hermit existence, and then he realizes that it's one thing to be on top of a mountain and seek enlightenment. It's another to be in the teeming mass of humanity, elbow to elbow, And in that relationship And I'd like to have you comment on that when we come back Okay This is Lee Harris The brand new book With that gorgeous cover is Energy Speaks Messages from Spirit On Living, Loving, and Awakening Mr. Harris's website is LeeHarrisEnergy.com I'm Scott Colborn. We're going to refresh our coffee cups. It's Sulawesi. It's an Indonesian coffee that's one of my favorites. Good stuff. And uh, we'll take a short break for Station Business, and we'll come right back with more conversation with our special guest, Lee Harris. Thank you so much for being out there. Please stay tuned for more right after this.
1: Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD.
7: Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Maser, Mason Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at
0: 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com.
7: My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress, but Big Brothers Big Sisters give me a real role model, and the young me
6: neither a role model, bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this 7-year-old grows up to be a role model himself.
5: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
4: Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, three to five PM, for mesoterra right here on KZUM.
0: Hey, guys and girls, I've got a also a special request, or if you will, a favor to ask. Next week, we're going to be taking part in the Give to Lincoln fundraiser, and it's a way to donate money to nonprofit, non-commercial, independent KZUM Radio. Uh, KZUM Radio is the flagship for the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show, and we've been on the air as EUP or the radio show since October of 1984. Uh, We've enjoyed your support over these many years, met such wonderful people, interesting guests such as our guest today, Lee Harris, and we've talked about subjects that at times have been um, not readily found in commercial contexts. We sort of broke a lot of ground back in 1984 for talking about the mysteries of our time, and so next week, we're going to ask you to consider donations to this wonderful radio experience. It is through your donations and financial support that this program and the many other programs continue. So next week, please consider making a financial donation to nonprofit, non-commercial, independent KZum radio. Or, as we say, put your money. Where your ears have been, and we sure appreciate your support and your continued um, uh, fellowship. So, okay, with me is uh, Jim Shorty and Colleen, mm-hmm. and we've got our cups suitably topped off. Mm-hmm. Everybody doing okay? Every, everybody doing fine. Yep. Okay. So uh, we have Lee Harris on the phone with us. Mm-hmm. He's the author of this brand new book. Energy speaks messages from spirit on living, loving, and awakening. And before the break, I talked about the uh, scene from the movie *The Razor's Edge* with the comedian actor Bill Murray, where he's at the top of the mountain and he's slowly becoming enlightened, but he's also a hermit. He's to avoid freezing to death. He's tearing out books, uh, pages one at a time to burn them to stay alive. And he has the illumination or the awakening that it's one thing to be at the top of the mountain. It's another to be in the mass of humanity, working, living, loving. Lee, can you comment on that, on relationships and how they're so important for us?
8: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think it's so interesting that the message in what you've shared is is kind of already already clear, but the one thing that comes to me about it too, which just hit me as you were talking, the power of nature and how when we are more isolated in nature or even if we're not isolated, but nature is the dominant force around us versus human beings, concrete buildings, um, the intelligence, the universal intelligence that nature holds opens up our senses. It's why nature is so important for us and so beneficial for us in terms of our balance, our ability to be open. So that struck me as you were speaking. But in terms of relationships, I I think relationships are very much what what's going on inside the, the individuals. So, for example, you can be in a group of 100 really conscious, loving, kind people, and you're going to have one experience, and you can be in a group of 100 shut-down, angry frustrated, um, feeling unsafe people. And you're going to have a very different experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that part of the reason that we're we're all, you know, here together is to learn to grow and open through each other, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, often it's those most challenging relationships that that we've all had um, that show us our limits and our edges and also show us what to cultivate? I know I've certainly come out of some difficult relationships with people and realised what they've shown me is how not to be, and 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 then I've gone off on a quest to learn to cultivate more of the opposite qualities to what I was just witness to and in the experience of. So I, I think we learn from each other all the time. But I think I think that piece about being on the mountain is so key. It's not just. Being isolated, in which case you can maintain your own vibration. I think it, I think that nature plays a big part in that. Mm-hmm.
0: I know that uh, that for me, uh, behind a closed door, <laughs> I can be very very spiritual. I can be of my best behavior. I can I can be uh, um, uh, the best Scott Colburn there is. But boy, put me with people, and suddenly I'm seen reflected and these other people, the good and the bad and the ugly. I'm seeing good stuff, I'm also seeing stuff that I've now learned is basically a mirror for part of me that I don't want to deal with. Sure. <laughs> so, relationships Absolutely. are like a college course, aren't they? They're like a, a a way of knowing yourself.
8: They are, and and I think it's funny, you know, I mentioned earlier my 23-year-old angst, I definitely dragged myself through a lot of not not very conscious relationships, me too, not, not just the people I was with, um, in order to figure out myself enough that I could be a, a kind of rudder in relationships, you know, be able to steer myself in relationships or steer the relationship if the relationship needed steering or steer myself away from somebody or a moment, whereas when I was younger, I would just subject myself to immerse myself in these relationships and then come out the other side and go, what the hell just happened, you know? So I, I, think it's, um, I think it's a balance for all of us. We have to be open to others, and we also have to learn how to know when something isn't quite right for us. Because what the Zs say, and I really like this, they say, not everybody is going to be for you. They said, "Sure, you're you're all you're all one. You're all part of the same group. You're all connected, but that doesn't mean you're going to spend time with every family member, and it certainly doesn't mean you're going to spend quality time with every family member." So they say that it's really important to exercise the power of choice in a relationship, not just whether or not to leave a person, um, you know, as in end a relationship or a working relationship, but more moment to moment where does your attention need to be and is the way that you and this person are interacting harmonizing for you and opening you and expanding you or is some of the behavior jarring and when you address the behavior with them and it doesn't change or transform do you then take that as your cue to go oh okay i'm I'm clearly not meant to be with this person right now because our energies aren't expanding together so where can i go either by myself or with someone else where we can create expansion. So that's important too, as well as the learnings. It's knowing that you don't always have to be learning, um, that you can be choosing where you go. I mean, it's complex what I'm saying, and it's hard to, <laughs> hard to sum up within a minute or two, but um, you know, they touch on that in the chapter, uh, The Essence of Relationships in the book.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is Lee Harris, the author of the book, Energy Speaks. I'm Scott Colborn. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Uh, talk to us, Lee, about uh, intuition. We, uh, we all walk around very much in our heads, and thank goodness we've had sufficient training experience that we can cross a street in busy traffic and get to the other side. We can make choices that are immediate, that are are good for us. But talk to us also about intuition and how that can be another uh, truth-telling device, a way-shower, and maybe help us connect intuition with uh, how the the body reacts and, and the messages from the body.
8: Yeah. So the the way the way I experience us as human beings, and and the way I see it when I when I when I look at us, um, is that actually our intuition is leading far more than we realise. But then we shall we say shall we we hold or limit things in the mind. So you might have a feeling about a person in your life or an event that you're invited to, that you then take up to your mind. And your mind gives you the answer based on the past. So we tend to focus mentally, but I don't believe our minds are ever working alone. Our minds are responding to our own emotional and intuitive responses in our body. And then our mind makes an assessment based on our past history. So if you have a funny feeling about going to a certain party, and you take it to your mind, your mind will go, oh yes, the last time we went to her party, we had an awful time, so no, we're not going. Now if you had been able to stay with your intuition a bit more or not ask your mind the question, which will only give you a repeat pattern of something that's happened before, your intuition and what I call the body test is a really interesting thing to do. So again, you're invited to this party and the choice is to go or not to go. So take a moment and for a second, Let yourself feel in your body what your body feels like if you go to the party. You sit with that for 20 seconds. Notice how you feel. Okay, now try the opposite. Okay, I'm not going to go to the party. Now how does my body feel? And what you're looking for is the contrast and which feels better. Because often our mind will tell us a story based on the past, but our body is able to feel our future timelines. And that's how our intuition often works. And I think sometimes we all tend to think that intuition is mind only or higher mind only. But for me, the body test is one of the things I use regularly. If ever I've got too many differing opinions going on in my own mind about what my intuition wants me to do, I will try it on for size in the body and whichever felt more open in my body, whichever felt more loving, And this is why you have to do two options. You have to see what the contrast is. Then I'll walk towards that one. Even if my mind is saying, oh, but you had a terrible time at her party last time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but there's something in my instinct that's telling me to walk towards it this time. So I believe that we're all intuitive. It's just that we don't all focus our intuition because we haven't been taught to.
0: What, what do the Z's say about the, um, the time during our sleep when uh, we lay down, we close our eyes, and we go to sleep? Uh, specifically about dreaming, and how, how does dreaming help connect us to uh, living a more expansive life, having more choices in front of us, uh, being more fulfilled?
8: Well, in the, in, the, in the sleep chapter in the book, what they share, which really was interesting to me, was that we often dream things that we don't need to go through as human beings. So, for example, the most obvious being when you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I had an awful nightmare and I was terrified in that dream. That's awful. And actually, they would say, no, it isn't awful. They say it's great because whatever fear you needed to flush through your body and through your soul You did it via a dream, and you didn't need to go through it in your daily life. Equally, we can have positive dreams that come in to help us open or reset when we're having particularly tricky times. So they say that the only difference between a sleeping person and a corpse is a pulse, in that what happens when we go to sleep is it's a little like dying unto ourselves, and we go into the soul realm, and in that realm we can rearrange, heal, rewire parts of ourselves that can be really beneficial to our daily life. So I think those who study dreams and keep dream journals and teach about dreams, they've already known this. Uh, but it was it was interesting to me to, to understand that and to start working with it because they also say, you can program your sleep to give you a sleep remedy. So if you've had a very stressful day before you go to sleep, you can lie down and say say to your soul soul i need to feel more balanced and i need to experience peace tonight while i sleep so you consciously direct what it is that you want to bring in overnight they say that if you do this your wish will be answered but you have to be willing to consciously direct it it's no different for for asking for angelic help they say you know angels Angels are there 24-7. We just forget to ask for their help and for their presence.
0: Lee, talk to us about uh, when you do a channeling session, uh, what it feels like. Those of us that are sort of observers or kind of witnessing this, uh, I remember that there was a, a gentleman many years ago that when he would do a channeling, all of a sudden... He adopted this uh, Scottish, um, old world accent. Um, what? Tell us a uh, give us a sketch of, of what it's like, what you experience when you when you do a channeling session.
8: So the physical experience for me is a little bit like sitting behind my body. Um, when I begin, when I'm when I'm verbally channeling my guides, um, I will. See the first sentence that they're going to say, I will see it like a sentence written in the sky. Um, I have my eyes closed. And I know those are the first words they're going to say. But after that moment, I no longer see anything before it comes through my mouth. Um, and I get to sit behind and observe. And I'm not fully in trance, meaning I could stop it at any time. Um, but I'm somewhat semi-conscious to the words. There are some things I'll remember there are others I won't my body goes up in temperature so I tend to be hot um, by the end of a channel um, especially if it's a longer one um, and then the other thing that I've noticed is my voice does change slightly um, it's not too strong but I would say they sound uh, they sound a little more uh, as we would say in England posh than I do um, um, uh, yeah, a little more received pronunciation than my own um, my own accent, um, and and a, and a bit of a tonal change. So it is it is very different. But I'm so used to it now that I I I know that state, and I'm, it's a bit like a muscle that I've I've developed in my body. Um, so I'm quite comfortable in it, but it's noticeably different. But it does bring a lightness when I come out of channeling. Um, I feel a lot lighter, and I feel. Definitely a little physically tired, but the light energy and the energy of peace that they run through my body is stronger than the energy that I experience um, on, a, on a day-to-day basis uh, in such a high dose.
0: This is Lee Harris, the author of the brand-new book, Energy Speaks. Lee, it's uh, an observation by myself and by, by many people that the times that we're living in There is an increase. There is a quickening. The vibration, if not being raised, is stronger. People are being pushed and pulled out of places of a comfort zone. Uh, People are being stretched. There are choices that people make that are sometimes in their highest and best good, and there are reactionary choices people make coming from places of uncertainty and fear that maybe uh, have them relive a an old addiction or perhaps a fundamentalist religion where it's tightly controlled and they're told not to think. Um, could you give us some of your observations and that on the Z's on how people can... Uh, I don't know if the word I want to use is cope, but how people can live dynamically, recognizing that that we all are in this situation where things are quickening. Did, did I use appropriate terms there? Is it a quickening or oh, there's yeah, more, no, a more I intense energy?
8: Yes, no. All, all of the above. I loved what you said, and I so agree. And, um, you know, it's funny. About a decade ago, the Z's said to me, you're going to see after 2012, people will become a lot more emotional. And I misinterpreted that. I thought, oh, nice, everyone's going to be hugging each other. Um, and instead, now I see, I see what they were talking about. Um, so our emotion and our electrical energy is more present in our lives than ever before. And if you're conscious, of what's going on, you don't tend to go towards reactivity quite as much. But if you're not conscious, if you haven't yet really understood the power of energy and the impact of your energy, and you also are running unconscious beliefs or you're in a situation where you're unconscious, you're going to be highly reactive, you're going to be destructive in many ways. So what the Zs have explained is we're living in this time of increased polarity of course the earth is about polarity so contrast is part of the experience here but they say right now forces for light and consciousness are really amplified but because they're amplified they're dragging up all the forces around control the shadow the dark so that means sure we can look at the world and see it playing out Um, you only have to look at governments to see see that going on Perhaps more interestingly for the individual as well, you see it going on in yourself. Like you said, we're having very fast healings happening now. So what, what would have taken you weeks to heal about a, a, a decade ago can now happen within an hour. So the intensity and the speed is something that can definitely make you feel more unstable until you realize that the speed has increased and the emotions have increased and that's just the wave that we're all on and every month I do a free um, video on YouTube or available at my website or through my newsletter which is called an energy update and it's normally about 20 minutes long and I will I, I, I receive from the disease about four themes for that month and what I'll do is I'll talk about how those themes might be showing up in your life and how to best deal with them and it's so interesting for me doing that video because it reaches um between Facebook and YouTube it reaches around 300,000 people a month. Wow. And when I read the comments of the people it's it's fascinating to see how many people are going through all of these things and and the I, the reason I really love doing those videos is because I get to see this global conversation from people in all these countries reporting what they're experiencing and most people who come to me like the listeners of your show, are already interested in this kind of thing, already conscious. So um, it, it has been absolutely fascinating to witness what we've gone through this last seven, seven years or so, because it's, I don't think any of us really understood what it would feel like. Um, and I think that's, that's a big piece of why people are reacting and going through things. We've really been asked to clean house from the inside out.
0: Lee Harris is our special guest and he's the author of the brand new book called Energy Speaks: Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving and Awakening. I'm Scott Colborn. Please stay tuned for more conversation with Lee Harris. We'll rejoin the conversation right after this. <laughs>
1: Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln, and KZUM HD.
3: Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the venues listed here. This is live music happening This Week in Lincoln. On Saturday, May 4th, a ferocious jungle cat returns to Bodega's Alley at 9 p.m. And the Zoo Bar hosts Nick Moss and the Claire Adams Trio at 6 p.m., followed at 9.30 by Union Specific's CD release show with Jack Hotel and Mike Semrad. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln.
7: The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore New Worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dick Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a
4: musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM.
0: i with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our guest next week is Robin Strom. And she's a first-time guest. She's got a brand-new book that I think Jim is going to love. On the Hunt for the Haunted. Searching for Proof of the Paranormal. Yeah, that'll yeah. just right up your alley. Right up my alley. And again, next week, folks, May 11th, we sure appreciate in advance your donations, your Financial support as we raise money for a nonprofit, non-commercial KZWim. Our special guest this morning has been Lee Harris, the author of the brand new book, Energy Speaks. Mr. Harris's website is very easy to find. It's Lee L E E, LeeHarrisEnergy.com And he noted in our earlier conversation that he has a YouTube channel that uh, has a, a message usually every month that reaches many, many thousands of people. So please do avail yourself uh, of that as well. Lee, when, when people come to you either for a private reading or for one of the, the group events, uh, and you, if you will, are able to take their pulse individually and in the group what are some prevailing themes right now that maybe we haven't talked about that people are really interested in, maybe some of their own hot buttons?
8: Well, yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that, that has come up a lot in the last four months is the theme of abundance, which doesn't seem Directly emotional, and yet it's interesting. It's, I, I think our relationship with money is highly emotional. One of the things I've seen over the years is whenever I've been working with someone going through a divorce or a couple, um, it's interesting how when they start talking about the assets and the resources, the divorce turns quite nasty, and all of a sudden um, it can go from a loving space into a jagged space. Now, that's not true for everybody. But a lot of the times I'll, I'll be with one spouse who's really shocked because they'll say, wow, he wasn't feeling anything before until we got to this point. So one of the things I've noticed is we have a very jagged, emotional, vulnerable relationship with the topic of money. And I think it's interesting with tax taxes recently going going on here in the US, um, the amount of depressed and scared people that I was Seeing for a few days. And I get it because I, you know, I remember I would used to uh, panic about that day myself. And luckily, that hasn't been something I've had to think about so much the last few years. But um, I think that one of the things that disease talk about around abundance for us is receiving and how we need to learn to be able to both receive and trust that with the money and the resources we do have that we are ambassadors of abundance, we are custodians, that the money and the resources we have are neutral, um, they're energy. And I don't think enough of us were A, taught to think that way, but I also feel like when I look at our education system that we weren't taught about money. And I think that's a very disabling thing for us as, as human beings, given money is the currency uh, through which so much of our freedom and our opportunity is explored on the planet. Um, I think it's there's a veil over it. So a lot of people ask me about that topic, um, particularly in the last four or five months. I've noticed that seems to be something that's up for people. How can I live a more abundant life? How can I experience more freedom from constriction?
0: One of the words that you mentioned uh, to, to my perspective, Lee, is, is really a Um, a subliminal hot button and that is the idea of trust Mm. could you speak a little bit more about that that word trust Uh, and maybe give the folks listening just a real simple exercise or a way that they can begin to trust themselves more fully
8: well I think the first step is understanding that anything that's happened in your past, any time you've been betrayed or you feel you've been betrayed, your trust has been betrayed, someone that you trusted has betrayed you, someone let you down, that all of that is behind you. And of course, it doesn't mean that you don't have memory or scars about what happened, but that one of the most disabling aspects For us when it comes to trust is us not trusting the future and us not trusting that we can rewrite the future as we go through every single day that we live. And we tend to have, sometimes through programming or conditioning, sometimes because this is the general society belief, we're very good at looking back and we're very scared at looking forward and we're not very adept at realizing that our future is going to be born, yes, because of our past, but it won't just repeat our past. So one of the things that if you do recognize you have issues of trust, what part of you, and who have you not yet forgiven for what happened in the past? And that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them or think that what they did was okay morally, but you have to forgive the people who have wounded you in the past, or get to a point where you let go of your attachment to them. Because when you let go of your attachment to them and you recognize they're part of your story, that they are no longer here today. Sure, they might still be showing up in how you're still processing what happened, but that actually the more you can make your future your focus and conjure up images of what it is that you would like to experience, Write down on a piece of paper, if I was fully living in trust, my life would look like this. I'll say that again. If I was fully living in trust, my life would look like this. And then let yourself write 10 things on that piece of paper, and you'll be surprised because there'll be a few of them that you'll know, but there'll be others that you weren't really thinking about, and it will reveal to you something about where you're holding yourself back, where you're limiting your bravery because you're worried about that time that you got wounded 12 years ago and you don't want to experience that wound again and what disease say is we never experience the same thing twice that's an illusion of the mind so if you've had your heart broken a few times you can attest to the fact that it, it changes each time it's not the same chronic pain every time because you get a little less attached to the idea of heartbreak than you were able to be the first time it happened. Again, very complex topic, and I'm only really able to mm-hmm. stay a few minutes because we're on the radio, but I hope that something in there can help.
0: This is Lee Harris, the author of Energy Speaks. His website is energy.com. Let's talk a little bit about a purpose and I'd like to have, Lee, you and I imagine that listening right now in our radio audience, live and also on the archive, that we have a number of young people. And these are folks that are perhaps either still in formal school or just about ready to take that first step into life after school, adulthood, and we don't have a class so much being taught in formal education on life purpose. With the, the media and all the loud cacophony of voices, it may make it harder and harder for a young person to connect with that, that mission, if you will, that life purpose. Lee, how how can we help them do so?
8: Well, firstly, if you you are a younger person listening, you're likely to have many different purposes as you go through your life uh, because we have become more multidimensional, and particularly those of you in the younger generations, you're arriving more wired to do many different things. But what life tends to teach you is if you try and do eight things at once, it doesn't go very well. So what you might have to learn to do is to prioritize, and you might have three things that you want to achieve or do in life, and the best use of your time is going to be recognizing which one fits this year, or which is my greatest need. Oh, okay, money is my greatest need, and of the three things I want to do for the world, this is the one that I know will directly allow me to earn a living, and that's what I need right now. So I would say pace yourself because life for those of us that live a longer life is a long experience and you're going to learn a lot. You're going to discover a lot. Try not to put pressure on yourself about achieving something. The one interesting thing is some people are purpose-driven and you might be envious of those people. You might think, God, I wish I knew what I wanted to do the way that Sally does. But the thing is, Sally is going to achieve her mission And when she's achieved her mission and she's got that out of her system, she's then going to figure out what's really important to her in life. Achieving that goal is going to allow her to step back, look at life, and go, oh, now I need to understand the purpose of life beyond the purpose I am giving to the world. Now I need to figure out what Sally really needs to feel and experience beyond my mission. So for those of you who are envious of people who are very mission-driven, Don't worry, your mission will appear around you. I certainly am doing work I never imagined that I I would be doing, Um, but I'm grateful I'm doing it. And so especially that period in your 20s, there's so much to explore and discover and figure out what you want and who you are. So recognize you're multidimensional. There will be people out there with wisdom to give you and share with you. That you're the one living your life. So let it be a balance between what you take in from mentors and people who inspire you and what it is that you feel you need to do as your next step.
0: Our guest is Lee Harris, and his book is Energy Speaks. Um, Lee, how can people connect with you and your work? And do you do, I mentioned earlier or referenced, Uh, personal readings. Can people do that? Um, Is it a group situation? Uh, How do folks interact with you?
8: Yeah, so I I did do private sessions for 15 years, but I actually stopped doing them last year um, because my work has gone a little more in the direction of group teaching. So um, my website, leeharrisenergy.com, is where you'll find everything I do. I have a members' community called the Portal, and every month I get online for ninety minutes and answer questions, both myself from an intuitive standpoint and the Z's I channel. And we normally get through about twenty questions per broadcast from members. So, if it interests you to submit a question that that possibly will be answered, um, you might want to check out my members' group, the Portal. Um, But I also have online courses on different topics and, as I said, my monthly energy update, which is a free video for everybody, um, which comes out on the 1st of every month.
0: When Lee Harris is out with friends having a a, a relaxing dinner, um, without being inane, can the Z's suddenly pop up and just say something as subtle as, now nah, you you don't want to go for the fish tonight. You want to stay with the the fowl.
8: <laughs> yeah, if I ask them, yes. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. Um, it, it's got to the point that my consciousness is multi-focus. And what I mean by that is, in the early days, it, I did feel very separate from them, and I did feel um, they felt like family. But they would pop in and say things nowadays I feel like they go with me everywhere I go So sure there are times when I'm not focused on them or when I'm not listening to them I'm focused on something on the ground but I can just place my attention there at any point so interestingly I last night they did help me with what I was eating so you're very intuitive <laughs> um, yeah they did I asked them what would be the best thing for, um, for, for, for my body and they 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 said no to the thing that my mind wanted, and yes to something else that was very satisfying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, Leave. Let's imagine though, that we've got people listing that um, have at least one individual in their family that they have not been on uh, the same page. They they don't have the same relationship. There may be some destructive choices that are going on with this other individual. And uh, let's close the show and talk about how to be loving and also the importance of observing one's boundaries and what's appropriate and what isn't. As a, as a Christian, this is something that, that I grew up struggling with. The idea of... of uh, some obnoxious behavior, and then uh, both turning the cheek and loving that person as well as saying, you know, darn it, this is just not appropriate. There are boundaries in
8: place. Mm -hmm. Can you
0: talk about that between love and boundaries?
8: Yes, I I, I totally understand because it's a a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do understand the, the message of, you know, we must love everybody and everybody deserves a chance. But the way to look at it is, is this person's behavior coming... I mean, this sounds a little... I I don't mean this to sound too sinister, but is this person's behavior generating light or dark? And, you know, we've all had people in our lives and perhaps all had times in our lives where we look at our own behavior and go, oh, that wasn't very loving of me. What was going... You know, what came out of me then? And I think with people who we often use the label toxic... They are the people who can't get out of their own way or are very wounded or, you know, have chosen not to become aware of why relationships are blowing up around them all the time. They just keep playing out those patterns and don't think, oh, maybe I should go for therapy or maybe I should read a book or maybe I should look at this. Um, With those people, I think sometimes just being loving to those people while we stand there and they are destroying the energy of a room because of how mean and unkind and unlikable they're being to people. Um, that's a different story. And so those are the people that we do sometimes have to boundary. And, and one of the things that I have seen can can happen in those incidences is, is think of it as overgrown children, because we really are all overgrown <laughs> children at some level. Um, you know, we have tantrums and we have times that we don't get what we want and there are certain people in life who have been allowed either because the family is scared of them or because they're a domineering personality that are allowed to have adult tantrums time and time again and to ruin a family gathering. And it might be that you're the first person in the family to say, I'm sorry, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving dinner this year. I love Sarah. She is my sister, but I just can't tolerate the way she speaks to you, mom and dad. She's mean. And I just felt uncomfortable, the whole, I love her, I'll always, you know, she's always going to be my sister, but I just don't agree with her behavior, and I just can't sit in the room and witness her being mean and unkind to people, and I've tried talking to her about this, she won't listen to me, it might take you being the first person to walk away, to empower and enable some of the others in the group to help them realize maybe they don't need to tolerate it. Now, it's always tricky for mums and dads. You know, that's, that's a bigger bond. But sometimes siblings can lead the way with this stuff in a way that parents don't always know that they can. Um, but, you know, if you're dealing with a monster in the room, it doesn't mean that that's all that that person is. Of course they have love. Of course they have light you're not going to help them by just throwing love and light at them while they're behaving in a monstrous way. They need a wake-up call that something's clearly gone wrong in them and for them. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do is say no, in much the same way that you don't give a child six donuts because it keeps asking for a donut. That's actually going to be very unkind to the child if you enable their desire to keep eating that much sugar and wheat on a small body. Um, They're going to develop an addiction, they're going to be heavily obese, and they're going to be stuck in that pattern until they break it. So it's very important to love people and to not disconnect your love from people, but it doesn't mean you should enable bad behavior. And I I don't know about you, Scott, but that's something it took me years to learn uh, Mm -hmm. the hard way.
0: Mm -hmm. Lee, thank you so much for taking time from a really busy schedule. Uh, With the publication of your book just in March, um, other radio shows and speaking appearances, I appreciate you taking time, sir, to be with us, and I wish you continued goodwill.
8: Thank you. Thank you for taking, inviting me into you know, this show that you all take your time out to do. And um, it was lovely to be with you all. I particularly enjoyed hearing about your coffee, because I have my coffee sat here <laughs> And um, to all of, all of your listeners, um, lots of love, and I hope you all have a great day.
0: Lee Harris, his website is leeharrisenergy.com. And you hear us, uh, heard us, reference several times his YouTube website, where there's a message posted every month, and and he's uh, uh, being viewed by upwards of 200 to 300 thousand people every month. So, thanks again to Mr. Harris. Um, the book is "Energy Speaks: Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening." And we personally don't do a page-by-page cover of a book because we want to. Give you a synopsis and perhaps intrigue you to seek out the book in its fuller form. And I recommend that you do so. Next week we have Robin Strom, and Robin is with us. She'll be talking about On the Hunt for the Haunted, searching for proof of the paranormal. A last reminder that next week is the Give to Lincoln fundraiser that we're taking part in, and please consider a donation. Next week, to nonprofit, noncommercial KZUM radio. The Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio broadcast is the world's longest running paranormal talk radio program, and we truly appreciate your support and your continued patronage for KZUM radio. Uh, Colleen and Jim, we've got some folks that are standing by for a show that's called Beta Radio. Literally, I don't know.
1: Literally standing by. He's standing out in the hallway waiting for us. I don't know
0: <laughs> what they're going to be doing, but it's going to be interesting. It's always interesting. Yeah. So we encourage you to listen to Beta Radio. Folks are test-driving a, a theme, a new topic, a new show, and see what you think. Coming up just in minutes, You could be surprised. Colleen, mm-hmm. what are you doing for the rest of the
4: day?
2: Um... I'm just probably just going to take care of my siblings. Everybody's sick with the flu. God bless you. Yeah, I'm I'm actually starting to feel a little bit of a scratchiness. But, yeah, I was like uh, my sister last Friday came home, and she was like, I'm sick. And then it spiraled out from there.
0: (laughs) Salt water gargles and lots of fluid and lots Mm -hmm. of rest. We Mm -hmm. wish you all, Colleen, and and your family as well. And
2: I'm also getting ready, um, getting materials ready for a art show. Uh congratulations. As well. Yeah. I just need to you know just need to get um enough drawings and then and color them in and then get prints.
0: <laughs> well be sure and tell us more in the future, okay? I will. Jim, what are you doing for the rest of the day?
1: Uh, I'm gonna be enjoying the sunny day and uh, Getting myself and my radio equipment ready for my announcing gig down at the Marathon tomorrow.
0: The Lincoln Marathon takes place, and Jim's involved in that.
1: Tomorrow morning, all morning. Okay.
0: (laughs) Jim and and Colleen, thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being out there. I'm Scott Colborn. We appreciate you very much. And until next week, walk in beauty.